This is case 39 from the Mumon Khan. Mumon says you've missed it. The case. A monk wanted to ask Mumon a question and started to say, the light serenely shines over the whole universe. Before he even finished the first line, Mumon suddenly interrupted and said, isn't that the poem of Chosetsu Shusai? Monk answered, yes, it is. Umon said, you've missed it. Later, Master Shishin took up this koan and said, now tell me, why has this monk missed it? Umon's commentary. In this koan, if you can grasp how lofty and unapproachable Umon's Zen working is, and why monk, this monk missed it, then you can be a teacher in heaven and on earth. In case you are not yet clear about it, you will not even save yourself. Mumon's verse. A line is dropped in a swift stream. Greedy for the bait, he is caught. If you open your mouth only a little, your life is lost. So, good to see you, good to see you here in person, good to see you on Zoom. Today we're entering the Fall Ango training period. Now, since we hold Ango twice a year, been doing it for quite a while, I've started the Ango opening talk with the same line many times. And most of you have heard it before multiple times. On a practical or communicative level, there is some truth to saying that I have done, said, or heard something many times before. So we're not lying. And it serves a purpose to speak in such way or such a way. But if we fail to see beyond the provisional and limited nature of thought and language, we will fall into a trap and find ourselves misaligned with life. And this is a common problem for all of us. In reality, everything that happens is fresh and new. Although there, are, there may be familiar patterns on the surface, on a deeper level, Nothing that happened in the past will happen again in the future in the same way. And often it is not the way we experience our lives, but it is the way reality functions. Hence the misalignment. In essence, the study of the Buddha Dharma is the study of our misalignment with life. And so, all the traditional aspects of practice offer ways to work with this problem so we can release the grasping of the self-created reality on the self-created reality and merge with the way things truly are. And with the new angle, we have a fresh new angle, we have 
a training period that provides us with different ways to explore and tackle this issue, address this issue. Different ways, like daily opportunities to sit with the Sangha. Right? So daily opportunities to sit with the Sangha, maybe we've done this for some time, right? But still, here is another fresh new opportunity to sit with the Sangha. Never mind what I did or did not do yesterday. What am I not seeing today? What about this, this specific period of Zazen? This time I either you know, turn on the Zoom, log in and then sit with others or show up in person. What about that time? Again, never mind what was. What about what is? Is that where my attention is? Or is it either on what was or what I think will be later? And when we do it, and we do it often, there is one missed opportunity after another. One missed opportunity after another. And the opportunity is to be alive. Not to get something out of something, is really to be alive, to partake, to engage, to awaken. So sit with the Sangha every day, taking on the responsibility to work with our personal hindrances in an angle and dissolve what's holding us back. Recognizing, turning towards, maybe first being willing to admit that what I'm doing, the way I engage with life, what I do, what I avoid, is a result of something that's working in the background, right? The willingness to admit that there is something that's working in the background that I may not be aware of. So the willingness to open up to what I'm not seeing, what I'm not feeling and sensing yet. That's incredible, isn't it? Right? Just that willingness. And then from that point on, to take on responsibilities, to dissolve, to work with, to, to work through. So there's that. And then participating in Zazenkais and Sashins. So Sashin, there's one Sashin during this angle. So participating. Now, this is something that it's a choice. Obviously, it's a choice. We can or not do that based on what's happening in our lives. Sometimes we would love to, but we just can't. And other times, we just forget it put, to put it on our calendar. Often it's as simple as that. Sometimes the schedule changes, because life does, right? But in many cases, the schedule pretty much stays the same when it comes to scheduled events. So the announcement comes out way before events, right? So anybody and everybody can just simply add it to the calendar. It's a choice, right? So a week or two before, we don't look at the calendar. Oh, well, I already have something there. When did I put this thing there? When did I decide to do that? Or what are my priorities? So choosing to participate. 
joining workshops offered by our senior members for the purpose of staying engaged with the theme, not for entertainment, not for adding more knowledge to the bank of knowledge we already have. Right? Those are offered for one purpose, for one purpose. So we can stay encouraged and engaged with the theme, and the theme is there so we can stay engaged with our practice. It all comes down to one thing, or to one person. So all that together, all of those things just mentioned, it is creating a great opportunity for us to truly break through some inner barriers, right? So the opportunity is there. The offerings are there for all of us. Now, how much we will engage, how far we will go with it is up to each of us. It's up to you. It's there. Partake, participate. Make it a priority and we're not, when we say that, we don't mean chuck all your other priorities or pretend they don't exist. Every time we say that, we mean the same thing. We mean shrink the gap between what you think that activity is about and what you think your life is about. Put them together so we can see, so you can see that choosing practice as a priority is always choosing your life as the most important thing. Whatever your life, whatever there is going on in your life, whatever it includes, anything and everything that you care about is included in practice. So we have to remind ourselves that that's what it's about, rather than say, well, I have other things going on and that's my priority. So to get the most out of this ango period or to, to, to engage with it deeply, we need to make two simple agreements with ourselves. The first one, I have never done this before, so this is my first ango. This is my first ango. Never before. Which means I don't know much about this, right? And the second agreement is every morning, every morning, I will renew my intention to maintain the resolve and stay on the path. Every morning. And these are two fundamental intentions that are meant to set the tone and lay down the foundation for our daily practice. Right? The dynamic intention on a momentary basis is, which is the theme, is to extrapolate and assimilate as we bring them into every aspect of life. So dynamically, well, di anything that has dynamic in it includes movement, flow, change, attention. All of those things are included in that. Moment by moment, I don't know. What I knew a moment ago may not be relevant or applicable or important. So never mind what I know. What about this? It's changing. 
So the intention, this is the, these are the two, or twofold intention that we have to keep renewing. Now intention, it's interesting, I was talking to Kako about that, about Hebrew, the, the word intention in Hebrew, kavana, actually comes from the root that includes direction, the same word direction and intention, right? Those two words come from the same root and it means it gives you a direction. The intention is not just freestanding intention. There's nothing to do with what's next. It's where am I looking? It's not just moving about and wherever the wind goes, I'll go. How do I want to live my life? What's important? Not what's important for me emotionally. Right? What's really important beyond thoughts and emotions? And that's the direction we set. Now, even after we set a direction, there are so many competing narratives in us that fight to take control, to take over. A lot of it is, of course, comic, but they fight internally to take over and they want to take us in a different direction. So every morning, right? Kivun. Direction, kavana, intention. I am going in this direction. Why, I, I already decided that that's the direction I want to go towards. And honoring myself, honoring my own intention, I maintain course. Right? It's not I gave my word to my teacher or I stood up and read intentions in front of the Sangha. Yeah, that's great. Ezupaya. Right? But it always comes down to me honoring my own intentions. That's honoring the Buddha. That's not disparaging the Buddha. And so the first one, I've never done this before, means to see beyond the familiar in everything we encounter and everyone we meet. Maybe we should highlight everyone we meet. Because how often... We look at people we see on a daily basis. Okay. When we look at people we see on a daily basis, we have to look inside. What are my reactivities? What's going on in me? Oh, him again, her again, this again. Right? That's looking back. This is like trying to go forward while looking backwards. Doesn't work very well. Right? We look forward. Forward is new. Not what I know. What I better pay attention to because if I don't, I'm going to stumble and fall. Or I may hurt someone else. So I need to look ahead. It's just that we are so, so attached to what was. Because we find ourselves in what was. But you've heard this many times, right? The question is, how do we hear the, a line that says, I cannot find myself here. I can only find myself in the past. I can only find myself in thoughts. What does it mean I cannot find myself here? Is it threatening? Is it comforting? Is it opening things up? Or is it closing things for you? What does it do? So I've never done this before. It means to go against the grain of repeating, right? Copying, pasting, copying, pasting as we live our lives. 
putting aside all that, go against the grain, grudges, mistrust, doubts, self-concernness, and all the knowns about situations and circumstances. And then welcoming every moment with an open heart and a curious mind. And again, never before, never again. Never before, never again. Open heart. Taking a chance, yes. Well, do we have a choice? Or does the choice work? Does the choice we think we have, does it work? So it's the first. The second, every morning I will renew my intentions. Intention, maintain the resolve. This means to start the day with a forward gaze and a nurturing attitude to life or nurturing attitude to oneself. Never mind what I did or did not do. Nothing that happened in the past has the power to hold me back today. So if I did not uphold my intention yesterday or a minute ago, I can do it now. I can do it today. But I didn't do it yesterday. Why are you going there? Why talk and think about this? Why not welcome this as an opportunity to do what I did not do yesterday. It's often not our way of thinking, our way of being and functioning. So it doesn't have the power unless we give it the power. And when we give it the power to hold us back, guess what? It has the power to hold us back. Because we have the power to hold us back. We have the power to hold ourselves back and we have the power to release that and move forward. We have a lot of power. A lot of power. And I think sometimes it scares us how much power we have. So we crawl back into a little tiny hole. That's me. And this is the wall. And this wall consists of all those people who have done me wrong in the past. And that wall of my parents and my family and my circumstances and the ceiling, fill in the blank. That's my cocoon. And I'm going to protect it tooth and nail. If anybody trespasses, I will get upset with them. Let them trespass. Let them help you. All those people you think holding you back. Let them help you dissolve what you think is holding you back. How? By not reacting. Because when we react, we strengthen. So nothing that happened, regardless of how I wake up in the morning, right? Even that, even if I wake up tired, Right? Well, if I think, well, the, I'm tired today, so the, world, the, the day will not go well. Right? The world will go against me. I start the day in that way, and then everything else is going to keep going in that same direction. Right? That's how we, we may be thinking about this. But what about at the moment we wake up, however we wake up, we make full agreement with that. 
right? Because if we make full agreement with that, there's no argument, there's no misalignment, then we can turn towards the initial agreements that we have made with ourselves or the intentions, and then, okay, I'm free to do that. I know I'm tired, I get it. But I am at peace with it, therefore I'm free to uphold my intentions. We have to change the, the language, the inner language, the way we talk with ourselves in a way, the way we think. Then we may recognize that there's a lot more freedom than we imagine. So I'm free to honor my commitment to stay true to the essence of my being is the bottom line, right? I am free on a daily basis to honor my commitments to stay true to the essence of my being. Regardless of how much stuff there is on top, regardless of the inner chatter or the outer mess, am I not free to honor my commitments to stay true to the essence of my being? The essence of my being doesn't really mind what I think, or what I feel, who I'm for, who I'm against. I'm tired, I'm energized. The essence is the essence. It's even. It doesn't pick and choose. It doesn't say, well, today you're tired, so forget me. I'm not going to give you any essence today. It's not in question. Although we question. So to stay true to the essence of our being is what we practice. Do we know what it is? You can move if you need, adjust. It may sound like a lot, those two intentions, but the daily reminder that can tie these two agreements together can simply be, and simply be, to begin the day with drinking a glass of fresh water. Wake up in the morning, begin the day with drinking a glass of fresh water. I'm not kidding. Just that. Drink that glass of water with full awareness, deliberate intention. Make it meaningful. And deep appreciation for water, for something that we often disregard. We can begin the day with deep appreciation to what we tend to overlook. And it can be symbolized with a glass of water. It's also good for you, I think, for your health to start the day with a glass, fresh glass of water. But to begin the day with that, and then as we go through the day, we can keep this sense of freshness alive or go back to that now. Not back in terms of back, looking back, but back to that freshness, which is always available moment by moment. Turn towards away from the stale, and the stale is everything that's known, into the fresh that's always available. 
Now, this could be our own personal experience and expression of the first, if we do that, it could be our own personal experience and expression of the first line from this koan. The light serenely shines over the whole universe, all the time. Energized, tired, grumpy, happy. The light serenely shines over the whole universe at all times. Serenely shines and reveals everything at the same time. It is continuously shedding light on reality as it is. It reveals life as an eternal state of constant renewal. Constant renewal. It shows the immense beauty of our authentic expression. And it verifies our great capacity for love. It verifies. It doesn't just show the way. It actually verifies what we are and our capacity available to all of us. But as long as we don't trust it, as long as we turn towards the staleness of our repetitive and familiar patterns of thought and behavior, we will remain in the dark while the sun shines brightly on all of us. Right? And how often does this happen, right? We could be in the middle of the day, the sun is shining brightly, but we are so preoccupied. With what? We have to stop and ask, what am I preoccupied with? Where's my, where's my intention and attention? What am I making most important right now? While the light is physically shining, showing, revealing life as it is, we as we are, it is revealing it to us. But our attention is elsewhere. Right? And this is, this is the problem. This is one of our major issues Poverty mind, right? As in the saying, there are those who die of starvation while sitting beside, beside a bucket of rice. There are us who die of salvation while sitting beside a banquet of most delicious food we can imagine. Right? We think it's for others. There are no others. So the monk in this story came to see Master Umon and was just going to ask a question. He was in the mid-sentence, mid right? As if as he was saying what he, was, what he wanted to say, right? He was going to start with posing a question after reciting a verse. But as soon as he uttered the first line, the light serenely shines over the whole universe. Right then and there, Uman suddenly interrupted and said, isn't that the poem of Chosetsu Shusai? In mid-sentence, stopped him, interrupted him. Now there's a background story to this encounter. Chosetsu 
Shusai was a high government official who studied Zen under the guidance of Master Sekiso Keisho. His name, Chosetsu, has two parts. The first one, Cho, was simply his family name. The second part, Setsu, literally means unskillful. So one day when he went to see his teacher for guidance, his teacher asked him an interesting question relating to the meaning of his name. He said, skill is attainable by seeking. Where does setsu, unskillfulness, come from? Hearing this question, Chosetsu was deeply awakened. Now, what is skillfulness and what is unskillful? How do we see skillfulness versus unskillfulness? Now, skillfulness is not something that we are born with, right? It takes time. It, it, it refers to accumulation. It is measured. It is quantified or quantifiable. It is, you can compare it to others, right? So there are varying degrees of skillfulness or skill level. On the other hand, unskillfulness, what is that pointing at? Inherent, what is, regardless of what's going on, it is pointing at essence, non-cumulative essence, not in question, not measured, not compared, just is. It is like saying no. But the Zen kind of no. Right? No, that's not a refusal. It's a no that is all-inclusive, open, loving, kind, embracing, All this negating is our own creation. Our own assigning meaning to what is accumulated, measured, quantified, compared. So saying no to that can make us realize something. And he did. So to echo his awakening experience, Chosetsu wrote a verse. It says, the light serenely shines over the whole universe. First line, right, of this coin. Ignorant, wise, and living creatures are all in my abode. When no thought arises, the whole is fully revealed. Everything is fully revealed. If the six organs move even a little, it is obstructed by clouds. Six organs, senses, eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. If you cut off your ignorance, your ailment will increase. If you look for the truth, you are also in the wrong. If you cut off your ignorance, your ailment will decrease. 
If you look for the truth, you're also in the wrong. Living in accordance with worldly affairs, you will have no obstructions. Nirvana and life and death are like colors in a dream. This verse offers a clear pointer to the vast reality behind the veil, behind the veil of our self-created cocoon. And again, available to all, yet, as he says, if the six organs move even a little, it is obstructed by clouds. Right? When we go along, our senses, of course, move. But when we go along and cre- go along with that and create something, from what the senses tell us or how the senses interact with life. If we create something from that, then it is obstructed by clouds. When we construct a fixed sense of reality from the input of our limited senses, we create a stagnant bubble within a flowing reality. So imagine a bubble in a stream. Imagine being in a bubble in the stream. You may see the stream, but you don't feel it. Because there is something, there's a layer there, a buffer. And then we suffer the consequences of being misaligned with life. It seems stagnant. But is it? Right? Because if I say it seems stagnant, but it's not, it doesn't do much, right? Because it's just a statement. But what about it seems stagnant, but is it? Is it? Am I what I think I am? So from within this bubble, Reality appears as unchanging. Self and others seem, seem to be fixed. And the value of a human being becomes quantifiable based on our own made-up standards. So, looking at life this way, unskillfulness appears to be equated with unworthiness. Right? If somebody says, you're unskillful, How would you take that? Right? Feels like an insult. Right? It feels like it is pointing at unworthiness, which sits in a lower rung on our imagined totem pole. I don't want to be there. I want to be up on top. So Master Sekiso is asking Chosetsu and us to examine what we may have defined as unimportant, insignificant, or unworthy. Look at it. Look at the definition you have put on it. And look at the way you interact with those words. Or look at the triggers that you experience when you hear such words. What do we become blind to, blind to when 
we view self, other, and our environment as fixed and defined. In other words, what are we not seeing? So for Chosetsu, the veil was lifted, he was able to experience the immense richness of our ordinary existence, of his ordinary existence. So he experienced it, but his experience, like any other, anyone else's experience, cannot be replicated or borrowed by anyone. Nothing can be repeated. Nothing happens again in our own experiences and, of course, from one to another. That's what he experienced when he heard that question. What do you experience when you hear this question? Right? Each of us must do our own diligent inquiry. We have to. You know, sometimes in Aikido classes, you know, I move around, of course, teachers move around and help people as they practice. And sometimes people ask, how do you do it? How do you do it? How, show me how you do it. And there's a point that just, I just walk away. I can't do it for you. You're going to have to figure it out. It's a challenge. I have no idea how to do this. Well, figure it out. Figure it out. Right? If you spoon feed somebody, they may enjoy that moment, right? Or that time, but then it's not going to help because they're going to call you to come back and keep doing it. Give me more. I ran out. Ran out what? Of what? Of you? How can you run out of you? Right? It's not given from another. It can be pointed at by another. That's true. Right? Good friends, as we know, right? We point each other to our own essence. But nobody can live or awaken vicariously through somebody else's life and experiences. So we have to do our own diligent inquiry, go through the challenges, there are many, of developing and maintaining a strong resolve and then realize the good friend inside your own mind, again, Huineng. Ultimately, as he said, if we don't realize or recognize the good friend within, it doesn't matter how many good friends, good Dharma friends you'll have. It's just not going to do it. Or how many books you've read or how many quotes you remember or how many coins you've done. It's not going to do it. So when the monk started to quote the verse of Chosetsu's realization, of course Uman stopped him. Of course, he would stop him and ask, 
Isn't that the line from the, the, of that known verse, which apparently was a very famous verse at the time? He stopped him because he cared about him. And so he gave him an opportunity to release the grip and wake up. Kind of like somebody walking with a cane. But you know there's nothing wrong with their legs. So you steal their cane. Take it away, throw it away. Now walk. What's your problem? What, those don't work? Try. But I don't know how to walk with those legs. I don't even know whose legs are they. Maybe we take a couple steps and fall down. Maybe, because we are not used to using those legs. Fine. Get up, try again. Fall down, get up, try again. Fall down until, like the bird flying off, the, like the little bird flying off the, the nest at the beginning. They don't do too well. Right? They fall down. They try again and again, and eventually they realize these things actually work very well. Meaning, I have what it takes, not just to go through life, but I have what it takes to be alive and partake in life. I have everything needed to meet any challenge that comes my way. Because if I, it doesn't even make sense that I would not have all it takes because we human beings deal with human beings' challenges, right? The challenges that human beings meet, right? Fish meet what the, whatever the challenges are there for fish. Any animal, any creature, right? If somebody would ask you to fly, yeah, well, you can do that. We don't need to. So he gave him the opportunity to wake up, but all this monk was able to say is, yes, it is. And Uman said, you've missed it. <laughs> the commentary on the monk's reply says, how regrettable. Why could he at least, why would he at least say, or couldn't he say, I don't know? Right? He could have at least said something like that. I don't know. Being a Zen monk, he ought to be able to give a Zen answer of his own. A borrow from another, or rely on someone else. And then it says, this monk, while his whole body is in the midst of light, is foolish enough to seek outside himself. How stupid it is if, while living in one's own house, one is obsessed with the idea that he is in somebody else's house and pays the rent. That would be quite stupid, right? Wasteful. We believe we live in somebody else's house and pay the rent, or pay the price, consequences. And then the last line to that says, 
This is the ignorance that is described as binding oneself without a rope. Binding oneself without a rope. Now, we have to look. Again, inquire within. What is holding me back? What is binding me? I feel tied up. I feel closed off from the world. I feel stuck. I feel stifled or whatever, however we describe it to ourselves. But what is it? Not just utter the statement and that's it. Go deeper. By what? By what do I feel held back? What is stifling me? What is holding me back from doing what I want to do? As we chanted, how Queen said, how near the truth, yet how far we seek, like in water crying of thirst. In water crying of thirst. Now when we turn away from our true nature, we become ignorant to the fact that we are actively rejecting what we are longing for. And by doing so, we create the sense of Create the sense of alienation and perpetual discontent we often experience in our lives. Because we're so used to equating our human value with everything that happens, it may seem to us that Uman is rebuking the monk by interrupting him and then even further by further rejecting him by saying, you have missed it. But even that is an opportunity. You're not good, right? You are not, you're unskillful. Okay, here's another opportunity. Right? Because it's the opposite of offense. The opposite of what we think it is. It's the, it's the monk himself that is turning away from his own endowment, rejecting his own authentic expression his own authentic creativity. Now, creativity, we talk about creativity as if, all oh, you know, those, those people are creative. I'm not creative. But we're not talking about this in Zen. We're talking about live your life creatively, not draw a picture that somebody can say, wow, this is beautiful. Forget that. That's to put a museum and then somebody will go and have a, a day trip to watch, to look at what other people have expressed and died long time ago. Why, why does this matter to us anyway? Right? What about our own lives? Moment by moment, waking up in the morning, doing whatever we do and seeing that as creative expression of our being. The usual stuff we do on a daily basis, taking a shower, making coffee, take care of the kids, Going to work, commuting. Well, that's not creative, right? Says who? Where do, we, where do we see that this is not creative? Look at how you tie your shoes in the morning. You want magic? This is magic. We often disregard the beauty, magic, life, 
We just disregard it. And then we go look for it. So by interjecting and saying you've missed it, Uman is expressing great kindness to this monk and to us. <clears throat> it may seem abrupt. Or it may be abrupt. And this is another thing that I may say a few words about when we talk about uh, Sishin. You know, abruptness is not necessarily unkind. We, I don't know how we always connect it. If somebody is to the point, abrupt, do this now, we think, oh my God, what do you want from me? I didn't do anything wrong. I'm good, you, you're blaming me for something I didn't do and you don't like me. Where does it come from, right? We think all those things, but maybe none of it is true. Maybe all it means is just do this now. Would you like to talk about it? Why? Right? I mean, there's no time, there's no point, just do it. That's it. There's no me, there's no you in this, it's just that. It's simple. One of the things I miss about Israel, I have to say, you just spent some time there, right? How many people think Israelis are rude? <laughs> right? And there's nothing to, well, some are. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but in terms of the abruptness, it's, it's not rude. It's just do this, move on. It's very practical. And, and the Hebrew language actually does not contain a lot of niceties, right? It's, it's very much to the point. Even the way you say to somebody, do this, do this now. That's it, if I translate it. In English, sounds like you're a caveman. But, uh, <laughs> but it's very much like that. This is how people talk with one another. It's very refreshing. Anyway, so saying things abruptly can be deeply awakening and it actually can take us out of our own inner chatter because it doesn't feed it. So it can be deeply helpful for us. So it may seem abrupt, but it is urgently important. What he's doing is urgently important to, to realize our true essence so we can actually bring unity to divisiveness, which is really the bottom line, right? Bring unity to divisiveness. Stop arguing with yourself, with others, and unleash the great capacity for love and acceptance. I think that justifies abruptness, doesn't it? What do you think? You agree? Look at what it does. Rather than react to the, the, the way something is being said, look at what it's pointing at. It is giving something. Open up, let go, and you'll see. So the last line in this koan says, Later, Master Shishin took up this koan and said, Now tell me, why has this monk missed it? Now, Master Shishin was a successor of Master Maido Soshin and was born about 170 years after Umon passed away. So when Shishin first came to the monastery, his teacher, Maido, held up a fist 
and said, if you call this a fist, you are committed to the name. If you say it is not a fist, you are negating the fact. You can use your own name for that same question. Now tell me, what do you call it? What do you call it? Turn it around. Turn the finger towards yourself and ask yourself, what do you call it? Beyond affirmation and negation, what do you call it? Beyond anything you can think of, what do you call What is it? It's the way we need to sit in Zazen, right? Look at this one here sitting. What is this? Putting aside next to you, everything you know about yourself. Don't get rid of it. Just putting it, putting it aside next to you. Space, a lot of space around you. All right. What is it? All those reactivities, all those, this, the inner chatter, right? The like, the dislike, the for, the against. What is it? Right? We have to do this. So Shishin was completely at a loss for words when he heard that question. As we are, right? And then he worked on this question diligently for two years. One question, two years. How many of you do that? Right? Until one day he was awakened to the embodied experience it evoked in him. So in one of his famous poems, he wrote... When you talk, when you talk, it is crumbled to seven and eight. When you're silent, it falls into two and three. And three. So I advise you, Zen practitioners, the mind of Satori is ever free. Stop all contriving. The mind of Satori is ever free. Stop all contriving. And so Shishin is asking us, how did the monk miss it? That's the last line from his Quran, right? How do we miss it and go astray, staying blind to equality, measuring the worthiness of ourselves and others, and not following the beauty of our own unique expression, not allowing it and following it so it can shine forth and be shared with the world. If we answer with words, we limit it to words and we miss it. If we answer with, with silence, we limit it to silence and again, we miss it. So in the commentary, Shibiyama says, unless you can give your answer based on your, tr your training and your experience, you will remain a stranger to Zen. Unless you are awakened to this absolute freedom, your Zen will be lifeless, a lifeless concept. I tell you, he says, it's not easy. No, when you, when you look at that, he says, he writes, he's not, I tell you, it's not easy. He's saying it from knowing, from his own experience. And just that line, I tell you, it's not, it's not easy. It's kind of like he's giving us a hug. I know your struggles. But that's the only way. Don't reject. Work with it. Turn towards. 
I know your pain, he says. It's doable. So he's saying it's not easy. It's also not necessarily difficult. It's only a matter of maintaining the determination and making awakening the most important priority in our lives. As one ancient master said it, put it, put it on the tip of your nose so you never lose sight of it. And as I said at the beginning of this talk, making awakening the most important priority in your life includes everything that occurs in your life and all the people you're surrounded by. Those who you care deeply about and those who you will never meet. Everybody and everything is included in making awakening the most important priority in my life. If we fail to include it all, then Zen becomes a lifeless concept, as he says. Now let's conclude this looking back at, again, at Chosetsu's verse, like you never heard it before. The light serenely shines over the whole universe. Ignorant, wise, and living creatures are all in my abode. Because I am all. Everyone is sitting right now, right here. When no thought arises, the whole and the entirety of the universe is fully revealed. Now, when no thought arises, doesn't mean the thoughts don't, don't come and go. When you allow all to come and go freely, then it's as if nothing arises. Because nothing disturbs this sense of equanimity. If the six organs move even a little, it is obstructed by clouds. And again, they move, but do we follow? Of course they move. Of course, the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind. Yeah, we, we function, obviously. We see, we taste, we feel, we smell, we think. It's not a problem. As long as we move, as long as there is flow. If you cut off your ignorance, your ailment will increase. Because you push against something that's not there. And you ignore, you go against life itself. To have a body is to suffer. To have a body is to feel pain. To love is to allow for pain. We cannot just choose one and try to push away an aspect of the same thing we want. All aspects of one thing, all facets of one diamond, rough, smooth, shiny, murky, one diamond. You push one facet away, you push the entire thing away. If you look for the truth, you're also in the wrong. Why? Because you base that seeking on the falsehood, or on the notion of lack. I'm looking for myself. I'm looking for truth. I'm looking for, well, who says you lost? Who says you can lose it? 
And then, living in accordance with worldly affairs, you will have no obstructions. Now, living in accordance with worldly affairs is how we are going to work with the theme of this fall angle. Dynamic merging. Living in accordance with worldly affairs. Harmonizing the inner state of being with the outer state of life. Whatever happens. Blurring the dividing line and allowing life to enter our body. Allowing our hearts to stay open to whatever comes. Breathing in. I embrace everything. Breathing out, I nurture everything. Breathing in, I take it all with every breath. I bring it to my heart. Breathing out, I allow my heart to nurture everything and everybody equally. So that's the theme. And then moment by moment, moment by moment, to stay in touch with the state of our being so we can actually work with that so we don't fall asleep again or go into the cocoon again to stay aware and to ask what's my state of being right now? Why am I not at ease? Not to try to explain it. Right? What's going Ease is a natural state of being. Why am I, when we are aligned, misaligned, of course there is a lot of different experiences not a lot of ease so what's going on how do i return how do i unify harmonize align merge where is the gap right now so i'll end this with uh, going back to o sensei and the quote i used when we did the uh, overview, the Ango overview. He said, your mind should be in harmony with the functioning of the universe. Your body should be in tune with the movement of the universe. Body and mind should be bound as one, unified with the activity of the universe. Thank you.